Ko Māui mua, Māui roto, Māui taha, Māui pae, ko Māui tiki-tiki o te rangi. I here ai te rae tui hoi runga rae. Ko whakatau ana he te toa e ta maua, whiti roa, haramai te tōkia haumie, hui e taiki e. This week on The Hui. Our political panel discusses the best performance from our Māori electorate debates. Poverty as a political choice. And predicts who will take that momentum into the voting booths on Saturday. Tehunga kuariro ki tua toki hi wairua ki te tihi o Māori ai tua haramai. Haere. Tātou e nonohona hei ki te hāhātanga o te whenua ti hewa Māori ora and welcome back to the hui. There are just five days to go until election day and who the heck knows what will happen at the end? Who will win in the Māori electorates? Who will be the government? Who will lead the country? Or could we go back to the polls again? We have our political experts with us to discuss all that and more. So joining us now is Professor of International Business Strategy and Entrepreneurship. I just love that title. Ahorangi, Ella Henry is here. Tēnā koe te Ahorangi, hoki mai anō. Associate Professor at the School of History, Philosophy, Political Science and International Relations. Love that title too. Associate Professor Lara Greaves is here as well. Tēnā koe hoa, hoki mai. And Professor of Hard Knocks and Clean Living, Professor <laughs> Rekatua, and Political Commentator. Matua Shane Tabou is here as well. Te hoa tēnā koe. Welcome. Tēnā. Thank you all for joining us. We've got a whole panel uh, looking forward to the election. Are we looking forward to the elections? It uh, feels long. Absolutely. Ella? No, I mean, this is, this, is, this is better than Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> One never knows who's going to take the, the Iron Throne, and that's the most exciting part of it. Yeah. It, it feels like, it feels a long campaign for lots of us mm. political, you know, scientists, geeks, mm. if I can use that phrase. Um, it, does it feel that way for you? Yeah, no? I'm tired and I'm like not into it, and I've got to decide who to vote for as well like last last election I had to ring up, ring up my mum the last night being like who are we voting for because yeah. I'm like busy analyzing all of it and thinking about all of it and thinking about all the data and not thinking about myself and my voter preference yeah James no I'm a junkie I love it <laughs> it's, 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 what I, it's what I live for once this election is over I'll start focusing on the American election then I'll start <laughs> on, the, on the on the on the uh, on the British election Gee. no but I, I, do, I do get okay. that people are hoha, people are tired yeah. uh, you know a lot of this uh, campaign has been about um, attacking certain sectors of our society. Oh, the Māori have the brunt of that. Our trans whānau have been the, the brunt of that. Yeah. And, and at that level, it's been quite a different election. And not, not a lot of court at all about policy. Yeah. Okay, we, will, we will get into policy, we will get into who our political panel thinks will win on the night, but let's start off first of all with the Māori electorates and the performance of those candidates who have appeared on our hui Māori electorate debates to Pōtitanga 2023. My aspiration is that we've got affordable housing, that we've got people in employment and people off the benefit. Look, this government has built more houses than any government since the 1950s, in particular state houses. So it's not a matter of supply, the houses are there. How do you release those houses? By putting a ghost house tax on those homes. Māori home ownership for our people will lift our people out of many of the challenges that they currently face today. We absolutely need to be stronger and bolder in the way that we address poverty. Poverty is a political choice. Māori Marae was never ever meant to be a food distribution 
Innovation Hub. Mm. It's now servicing 70,000 kaipaks per year. There's 100,000 people in poverty in this country and 60% of them are Māori. We are dying younger in our own country, we're homeless, we're incarcerated and we're also in state care. That's not good enough. We are the biggest Māori seven ministers in a government but we have to work hard against all the other interests of Aotearoa as well. I will be your kandohikitia. I will come, I will listen and I will go to Parliament and I will agitate on our behalf. We are all here for the betterment of our people no matter which kōkona that we are standing in. Parliament has to be a place that people see themselves in to be able to take aspiration, hope and opportunity further and farther because our, our country needs it. The Kohanga Reo generation are here and we have a huge movement and a huge wave of us coming through. Candidate vote Kusha Tangari Manual. Push for Kush because I'll push for you. <laughs> There's some pretty strong candidates in those Māori electorate debates. I've been so innovated by the calibre of candidates right across the spectrum. Even yeah. those that I don't necessarily agree with politically, I think that we have shone a light into so many dark corners, our candidates, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm actually proud to be a Māori when I see that calibre of candidates. Well, is, um, who stood out for you in particular? Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk about individuals because I, th I think there are other people doing that. What I, what I can see clearly is, though, that those who've been in Parliament for whom debating is their daily job are obviously going to do better in this kind of public arena where they're up against people for whom debating is not their day-to-day -day gristle. And so they do have advantages. Uh, but having said that, the calibre has been extraordinary from the very young to, to the much more mature from, you know, right across the spectrum... We have great representation. Oh. Yeah, I love the kind of unpolished nature of the ones that haven't been in the House, though, mm -hmm. as well, because people go through media training, they go through, oh, you've got to do this and act this way and, you know, rehearse by rote. But I do like the unpolished nature of candidates that are coming through for the first time um, as well, because you do get a bit more spirit and you do get just the, like a little bit rough around the edges. It's great, great to see as well, because we want, like, diverse people mm. to look at politics and to look at Parliament and go, I could give that a go. Who has stood out for you? Hannah Rafati Maipi Clark stood up for me a lot because wow. I just am just shocked that she's so young. But I know that's patronising to say, but it's just been really cool to see her represent and around a range of different debates, including you know the the young voters debate the other day, and just thrive and and kind of be true to herself in a range of environments. And I think that's really cool for Rangatahi to see see that representation. And going up against a, a veteran. Yeah, I loved that the debate. The Maori, the fire of the house. I really no, loved the either. debate. That debate, and I love the respectful tone as well in that as well. That was beautiful. Shanti, oh, no, I think. Hannah, Hannah has been exceptional. She's spoken to her generation, which mm. is important. Yep. And, you know, this new political movement called the Kohanga Kids. <laughs> I also, th I think our wahine Māori have actually been outstanding, and I'm particularly Huana Linden, who is articulate, who is uh, very generous in terms of her, her mannerism, and is, and I, I think also empowers people that she talks to. And look, Kushla Tangaere Manuel, who only was selected six weeks ago, is making a real run for it in, in, uh, in Ikoro Rafati. And uh, Tony Boynton, that debate where she one on one with, um, with uh, Rawiri, you know, she wasn't intimidated. You could see that uh, she wasn't as mature in her, her debating approach, but she gave him a run for, the, for money. We have got some outstanding candidates, and I've enjoyed getting to know Tama Potaka, who will play an important role in the next government should the likely thing occur in national national lead, you know? Okay, so um, 
the other thing I wanted to ask, and I hate to do this, because <laughs> it's five days away and it could be seen like you're trying to sway opinion, but I am interested to know who we think will win in the electorates, uh, because I think there's going to be some really close races. I mean, do we, do we all agree to Tai Tonga? And to be honest, I really like Doc Ferris. Tago De Ferris is a very good candidate. He should be in Parliament, to be honest, mm. but uh, I think it's pretty clear, won't Leno will win to Tai Tonga? My view is that if we look at past voting in Māori patterns, that we tend to vote for people rather than parties and policies. And that has meant a, a stability across a number of electorates. And, and my feeling is that that will probably carry through this time. Yeah. Okay. Who is there will stay there. What, what about a closely contested electorate like Te Tai yeah, see, I'm not confident about polls. I mean, if you look at the polls last time around for the Māori electorates, you know, they're like a few hundred people. You've got to, like, somehow get a hold of people and then figure out what role they're on and whether they're going to vote and all that kind of thing. So, like, what were they 12% off in Waiariki yeah. last time? And some of the other ones, mm. like Tamaki Makoto, like, that, they're just a bit off, so I'm not, I'm not confident. I think, actually, the Māori electorates are the ones that are most likely to throw up surprises this, this mm. election, yeah. Sure. I, I think we're looking at uh, the possibility of a 5-2 split, Labour holding five, uh, Te Pāti Māori uh, holding Waiariki, anti Taihahudu. I think all Ikororafati is going to give us all a surprise, do and um, yeah, and I think that uh, Labour could hold that. And do you think that's because Labour strategically those candidates didn't put themselves on the list? I think so people I, had to vote them to get them. I, I think I think that I think it is that that is part of it, and I do still think that there's a little bit of a hangover in terms of Mecca, uh, the way in which she, she yeah. left Labour, and the other thing is that. Um, the Labour Party has a really strong machine in uh, Hastings and Napier and Wainui Omata and those big polling booths is where it counts. We will continue the, the discussion on electorates but also talk about the parties and who potentially will form the next government after the election. Stay with us, we will have more. Who will be the government for Aotearoa New Zealand and much more on the hui. Kia This is the Hui and our panel discussion leading up to the, to the election. Ella Henry, uh, Professor Ella Henry is with us. Associate Professor Lara Greaves and Mr Shane Depot are our panel here. Who will win the election? That is, of course, the big question. And one of the big issues in the campaign for Māori has been race in Tisiti or Waitangi. On Thursday last week, we asked representatives of the leading parties in this year's election about this key issue. The Act Party wants a referendum on the Treaty of Waitangi on Te Tiriti. Why should the majority get to vote on the right of the minority? I just think we need to have these conversations because the division around New Zealand is really high right now because this government is implementing <coughs> things that people do not understand and they're actually worried about it. So we're actually only having the conversations that wow. people out in the community are asking us to have. Asking questions is not racist. OK, Shane Jones, your party has said that it wants to review or actually expunge principles of the Tiriti or Waitangi. The treaty created a new reality. It blended, it blended our tangata whenua interests and the Crown. You can't rewrite the treaty either Holy through a referendum or laid in it 
with all the guilt-tripping ideology of victimhood we're hearing from the other side. There's no doubt their race has been playing a part in this election, but I don't think it's from the people. And every focus group we, we put up, housing, education, health, other priorities, no-one really talks about what the ACT Party is waffling on about, but they want the people to be talking about division in the treaty. It's the ACT Party who wants this. Our tupuna never, ever ceded sovereignty. They made it really clear the moimoya was always to uphold our mana motuhake and our tenoranga tiratanga. We worried about co-governance? Holy heck, that's got nothing on tenoranga tiratanga. Co-governance is just right. working together. That's all that is. And, and here's the thing. Racism is a symptom of ignorance. And for far too long, around Te Tiriti o Waitangi, the country has been left ignorant, <clears throat> devoid of the facts. There have been nearly 45 years of court rulings upholding Te Tiriti o Waitangi. Right. Nobody knows about it. This is the problem. In Aotearoa, there's no prerequisite for a politician, an MP, to have any understanding of Te Tiriti o Waitangi or the history of this That's country. Right. So let's talk about it. Has race been a big issue in this campaign? I'm a Māori, so I felt it. And I think it was. I've talked to non-Māori who said, no, what do you mean? So I do think, though, one of the things that I've found in talking in the communities I've been in is that the race baiting, and I'm going to call it that, has actually galvanised a sector of non-Māori communities to say, mm -hmm. that's not who we are. And I think that that's reflected in the, in the, in the dropping of acts um, polling. Yeah. Um, Willie, you said that that's not something they picked up on yet. Uh, the fact that we've been talking about it, Tatiriti, the referendum potentially on Tatiriti, treaty principles and all those kind of things have come up. You know, pe people respond, particularly Māori, respond yep. to those kind of issues, right? Yeah, well, if you look at the data and you look at different groups and what they think the biggest issue of the election is, everyone says cost of living, but when you look in those top few for Māori, for the Māori electorates, Tatiriti and Māori issues seem to always be in that top few, like that, which does indicate that Māori actually are picking up on the fact that, you know, like our rights are under under yeah. potential jeopardy in the in the case of a um, potential government formations that are coming up. And I think that's quite concerning. Because, yeah. I mean, following the voice to parliament referendum quite closely in Australia, yeah. and, like, really, it's on the same day as our election, and I really feel for them because the same sort of rhetoric, the same sort of discursive strategies and the things that people are saying is happening here as well as there. Mm. Shame, we saw some pretty strident and very strong contenders in the Māori electorates. Do you think we could see some um, election strategy, some, some election splitting by, or sorry, some voting strategy by voters to try and get two candidates in one electorate uh, through? Uh, like uh, 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 absolutely, and I think that uh, the, the party votes in Māori, to, to party Māori votes in some of those electorates may, may well be stronger than, than, than Labour, and I think that that's quite a smart behaviour tactic from our people. I think that, you know, you've seen Te Pāti Māori poll at 4%. Not only does that mean they've got a fair chunk of Māori support, they've got a fair chunk of non-Māori support. So I think that there could well be strategic voting and Te Pāti Māori might do well in terms of the, in terms of the, um, the party vote. Uh, Ali, uh, Professor Ali Henry, you said that, I think, about five mm. weeks ago, and, and I laughed. How wrong I could be. <laughs> because you said 5%. That actually could happen if Māori go out yeah. and pick a Labour Party electorate candidate and then party vote Māori. And we've proven in the past that we are capable, very capable, of strategic voting. Yeah. You know, if you look at the Māori electorates over the last 30 years, there's been a lot of that since MMP was introduced. And we're getting better at it. Yeah. I'm thinking mm. about what is the long-term strategy that I get both of these two yeah. if I split my vote in this mm. particular way. 
Is it enough to change what the polls are saying about the national overarching outcome? I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Lara? Who's going who's gonna to be the government after that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, it's one of those things that we've got to look at the polls. I mean, the polls did underestimate Labour by a few percent right before. Like, so our polls now in the, this next couple of weeks are going to be a bit confused because they kind of include people that have already voted and a little bit harder, muddier picture. But they underestimated Labour by a few percent last time around and to party Māori by half a percent, actually. So there's arguments there to suggest that they might both come up a bit, but probably not enough to really do it. And I think... Maybe MMP is the winner on the day, <laughs> and you know, I don't know. Like it's a bit of a cop out, but <laughs> but it's, it's it's like chances are national will be the kind of leading party in government. Chances are, statistically, probably with with ACT and. New Zealand first? Well, yeah. <laughs> the configuration is what's yet to be decided. That's why MMP is the winner on the day. Oh, look, Winston is in the prime position in terms of being the, 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 the uh, kingmaker, and you have to give it to him, eh? You know? This guy was at 2%, mm. and he single-handedly... Because he is, he is New Zealand first. Oh, that's a bit you know? harsh on Shane Jones well, in his TikTok video, Shane. Yeah, exactly, but by <laughs> and large, he's the one that he's the he's the one that has afforded the halls in Dargaville and in Fakatani and the Portiki. So you, you 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 have to give it to them. But let's just remember, folks, there's only about three and a half percent between the left block and the right block. And I think that there's a little bit of uh, momentum, a little bit of momentum uh, behind Labour. I don't think they're going to uh, be able to form the government, but I tell you what I think it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult to form a coalition and hold that coalition together. Has that strategy by National worked at all? Try, trying to rule out Winston, you know, John Key, or Sir John Key, sorry, the chair of ANZ yeah. Bank, who had $1.1 billion profit for the six months up until 2023, yeah. um, you know, as the guy to try and convince voters not to go to Winston Peters, has that strategy worked at all? Ellie? It does not look at I mean, we all now know as a nation that Winston's middle name is Phoenix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or Lazarus. Or Lazarus. <laughs> Phoenix Lazarus Peters. Um, because his capacity to come out of nowhere is mm. extraordinary if mm. you go back a year. And, and I think that it, in a way he fills a need in the political mm. spectrum. You know, little yep. old ladies in Gordonton mm. need somebody to vote for. Yeah. And they're going to turn out and vote. And they, they look do. like they may turn out and vote after they've been to bowls. But <laughs> when it looked unlikely that Winston would come through, people turned... They, that, that sort of disaffected vote turned to act. Yeah, I agree. But as soon as... And I, I think that... Uh, I think that Luxon made a huge mistake in, uh, uh, because he gave uh, those people... And um, a reason to go back, a reason to go back to New Zealand first. And here's the reason that they want to go back to that. Uh, Luxon needs New Zealand first because he will not be able to manage long term the radical neoliberal mm. economic policy of ACT. I'm, I'm going to make an executive call, okay, and have a break, All and right. then come back, and we're going to continue this conversation because I also how how he manages Luxon mm. if he is to be in the lead after the election, how he manages this is going to be really interesting. So stay with us. We have much more after the break. Uh, we will look at that and also issues that have defined this election and who has the best policies to be able to deal with those issues. That's the hui. We have our political panel of experts, Professor Ella Henry, Associate Professor Lara Greaves, and Mr Shane Tepoe on the show uh, with us talking about elections. If Christopher Luxon is to be the Prime Minister, mm. 
And that's still an if, I think. <laughs> um, uh, this is a guy who, it seems, has struggled to get cut through. When, when you look at someone like John Key, massively popular, Jacinda Ardern was, a massively popular Prime Minister. Yeah. If he's to be Prime Minister... You know, this is guy on what twenty something percent. Popular? Yeah, but exactly. But if you look at the comparative likability of leaders over time, we saw Ardern was incredibly well liked and well liked among Māori as well. Um, John Key well liked, maybe less so among Māori. But the other leaders were all somewhere in between. But Luxon's going to be cu coming in based on Vote Compass data as one of the least liked actually prime ministers in recent memory. Yeah. Like I don't know if we actually have any data going back long enough to show someone that's that low on likability, and then he's having to. Not only then, he's got coming up against the kind of that likability crisis, but then Winston Peters as well. So yeah. he's got a lot of challenges ahead of him, um, forming a government and kind of going forth as prime minister. How do you manage Winston? Is he manageable? Uh. It seems he was under, you know, uh, um, Helen Clark when he was with Helen Clark. He seemed to be, you know, in the last Labor government. Helen Clark and Winston had history. They've been in Parliament 20-plus years. Right. Um, I, I know that Key hadn't been in, um, in, in, in government for long, but he had a, he had a playmaker in Murray McCulley, who's no longer, who's no longer on the scene. Um, and also, in terms of where, where Lara is com coming from, some of, the, some of those stats are, for Luxon are pretty, pretty bad, but some of the demographics within those stats are horrific. Yeah. Mm. For instance, um, women's, women's vote. Um, so does he have the political aptitude to hold a coalition deal together between uh, Winston Peters and David Seymour? You know what, um, Julian, I'm really not sure that he does. Luxon isn't popular, but it would appear Chris Hipkins isn't that popular either on pretty much the same polling. And if you have a look at the parties, right, it's a Māori, Māori party, 3-4%, we've talked about in the polls. Uh, the Green Party going up, yes. you know, 12 to 13%, maybe more, particularly if you, have, if you take into account um, those who are voting overseas. The Labour Party, they're the ones who haven't held up their end. My view is that for many, many years, the Labour Party in this country has had an identity crisis um, and its traditional um, home base of looking after the poor, the working classes, has been changing as it's moved to a more moderate line. But in the last, really, five years, I think it's struggled to figure out who it's there for. And as long as a political party does not understand who its constituency really is, mm. then I think it's going to have trouble resonating with that constituency. Yeah, it's, it seems really interesting that we're talking about Labour in this way. A party who had over 50% of yeah. the vote in 2020 is struggling past yeah. its worst performance, mm. I think, under Cunliffe in 2014. Yeah. yeah, staggering. I've been trying to explain it to, like, various international media outlets, and it's quite challenging, actually, yeah. and trying to explain that that was an anomaly. Like, we're probably never going to see a 2020 mm. ever again. Mm. All the political scientists in the 90s, when we got MMP, said there's not going to be a single-party majority government, and there you go. But I just assume they would return to 2017. Like, that would be their kind of baseline level, and the decline wouldn't be more than that. So I think that that's where the identity questions and yeah. like all of those sorts of questions come also up. Also a couple of strategic mistakes. Okay, I get the policy bonfire but what d once they get rid of all those policies, what did they stand for? I wasn't I wasn't quite sure and look, let's, let's, let's cut to the chase. Um, GST or fruit, um, fresh fruit and veggies was never going to inspire uh, the Labour Party heartland. It didn't do it in 2011. It wasn't going to do it in, in 2023. 
I talk to activists, I talk to members of parliament on a daily basis, and they know they ought to have gone to some form of wealth tax to make. Mm. So there's a clear difference between National and Labour, and I don't think Labour has articulated that enough. Yeah, a wealth tax or a CGT some or something form. similar. Something, something yeah. that can address the, the huge inequities that have emerged in the last 10, 15 years. The fact to the point where, you know, Maori housing is, is an absolute catastrophe. Um, underemployment, a lack of achievement in, in education sector these are these are meats for a, pol a party that is going to say we can address inequity, what's the way of doing it? It's going to be strategic change, not tinkering around the edges when so many of our family can't even afford fruit and vegetables. You know, mm. it's it's. It, I want them to be as great as they potentially could be, so that we do have a gladiatorial fight mm. between the left and the right. And that's what I don't understand because actually most of the polling data shows that the majority of New Zealanders actually support some changes to tax in some way. That's what's kind of confusing. There's like this disjuncture between like where the, where Labour's sitting and its traditional basis in working class politics and then where actually the majority of the public are sitting. Yep. Okay, the, the other thing I did want to talk about was turnout. So we've seen already in early voting a drop. Now I think we expected one yep. because 2020 was a different mm. year. Many people thought they might not be able to get to the poll on election day and therefore voted early. 1.2 million at this stage anyway in the campaign. I think it's about half mm. that now. Are there concerns about turnout? Do we think there's going to be a low turnout as a result of whatever the issue might be or whatever the, the, the reasons might be for I, that? Look, 2020 was an outliner because people voted early before the, um, as a result of COVID. Uh, we're looking at 2017 numbers. I have nothing other than a, a little bit of experience in my gut. I'm not sure whether... I'm not sure whether... I think we're going to have poor turnout amongst the left because I'm sh I don't think there are those motivational policies to get people from Manirewa, Mangare and yeah. Manako East, those type of electorates out. L low turnout has always hurt yeah. the left, right? Absolutely. I, look, I mean, look, look at how the Māori Party was formed after the foreshore and mm. seabed marches mm. of 2004. We, we haven't really had a galvanising anything to say, I am going to go and be counted. And I think that's unfortunate. I think the Greens and the Māori, Tapati Māori have tried very hard to get us... And, and certainly those who are working with Rangatahi doing that tripling policy yeah. of, you know, get three of your mates to the booth, I think that might make... a in some parts of the country. But up north, where, where there's no public transport and everybody's yeah. struggling for petrol to get to town, hello, the turnout's going to be low. Um, I look forward to us, uh, you know, uh, reviewing the election results. At some stage after the election, I was going to ask you what the highlight was, but surely it has to be, I took the PGF. Yeah. And gave that back to the people. Sorry. The highlight was quality Māori candidates. That's right. Tēnā koe. Tēnā koutou That was our panel. <laughs> Professor Ella Henry, uh, Associate Professor Lara Greaves and Shane Depo. Okumihi kia koutou katoa. Now, don't forget, we have the Hui post-election special live on Sunday morning on 3 at 9.30am. That's on 3 Live and also online with representatives of the leading parties in this election dissecting the results of Saturday night. That's the Hui post-election show at 9.30am on 3 and online and we are back next Monday to review the results with our political panel of experts. Kia hatia, ya tatou e ngā hunga atu ana ki te pōtitanga haere mai nei, ka rere tonu te aroha ki te hunga kuariro and we look forward to the election but we also continue to mourn those we have lost and in particular one of the greatest athletes in Māori sports history. Jason Winyard, he uri no Ngāti Manu no Ngāpuhi no Ngāti Maniapoto passed away after a long battle with cancer. Earlier this year, the Hui reporter Rarani Pereira broke the news of Jason
Mason's cancer diagnosis and the struggle he and his whānau faced. The hui closes its show tonight with a special tribute to the late, great Jason Winyard Kamau. Kitatūranga o Tapatapuatea Haumie. Huie taikie. Jason Winyard put timber sports on the map. He's just been so incredibly successful. He's an unreal athlete. He showed everyone how good he is by winning timber sports nine times, you know. I took up wood chopping because of Dad, watching Dad compete when I was young. Just wanted to be like Dad. I kind of wish he had been able to see the New Year's honour that I received because I was really proud to win that and he would have been really proud too. The journey's been a tough one and uh, today was really tough. The support just humbles me and I feel I can confront anything with love and support of all these people. Nā te puna whakatonga rewa, te hui i tautoko.